Welcome to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. I'm your host, Tim Reed. And once again, I'm so excited to be here today. Welcome to the Firetime Podcast. Well, you heard it last week. We started out our series on building the heartbeat report for your company. And this is week two of this four-part series where we are going to go through four keystone metrics that your company should be using week in and week out to be gauging the heartbeat of how things are going. We talk a lot about how running a business requires both data and feel, and it's really tough when you go too far to one side or the other. When you operate without any kind of data and you're only going off of gut feel and emotion, in general, it just doesn't take us to a good place because what happens is we we get out of balance and just because we think something is the case, it, it doesn't mean that it is. And very often decisions are rash and we get ourselves into situations that we regret. Now, likewise, operating on all data with no human feel or emotion I believe is equally as bad. And and the reason is that you, you start to make cold-hearted decisions. And, and while you might think that making decisions off of data is better than off of feel, I, I would say that only if it's the right data. And and you know, the deeper that I get into business, data and numbers and facts and figures are simply another lens of a story. That's all that they are. Now, data can be a true story, but at the same time, you could have just numbers, whatever they say, and it's the story of those numbers that might influence your decision. I've seen companies make terrible decisions off of data because they believed a story about the data that wasn't true. And so all that to say, I, I really think the truth is in the middle where we have to have solid data that, again, tells us a story about these different angles of our business, and we combine that with our gut feel and emotion and somewhere in there is the truth. You know, it's it's in the chorus of voices that we find the best path, in my opinion. And so data is extremely important, but I, I don't want to just ignore the fact that you're a human being and, and you're in your business every day. So there are going to be things that you just feel in your gut. And the combination of both of those angles is very, very powerful for making decisions. So with that said, today we're going to jump into our second keystone metric, which is backlog. Now, a keystone metric, again, is a metric that leads you to other metrics, right? So last week we talked about traffic count, and just by understanding the traffic count, it forces you to ask other questions, and backlog is the same way. Now, we'll get into it in the conversation, but backlog is the dollar value of jobs that you've taken some kind of a deposit on, but the jobs have not been fulfilled yet. So right now in the middle of the craziness of the supply chain, it can take, you know, three months to five months sometimes, depending on the product to fulfill the order. Well, during that time, the job is in your backlog. So if a customer comes in, they look at a $7,000 installation and they put down a 50% deposit for it. Well, all 7,000 of that is in your backlog because the customer is committed to a $7,000 job, right? Now, oftentimes with your point of sale system, you can run an open orders report and this will give you 
the total number of jobs and the dollar amount for them that have been initiated but not fulfilled yet. And this really threw me off at the beginning. We get into it in the conversation, but I had never thought this way until, I don't know, maybe nine years ago or so. And in all my prior companies, we'd always looked at invoiced sales or, or deposits, right? How many deposits did we get this week? And those are both great numbers. But when I came to Fireside Home Solutions, every day I started getting this backlog report and I didn't know what to do with it at first. I just deleted it. But over time, as I learned to read it and analyze it and act on it, it became the most valuable tool I could have to predict what my revenue was going to be for that month and then therefore my my income based on that. So I want you to buckle up and listen to this episode because if you're in a similar space to where I was nine years ago and this idea of backlog is a similar concept, you got to trust me. This will change everything in your company. So my conversation today is with my friend Sam O'Donnell who works with me at Wi-Fire. We actually also work together in retail and we dive headfirst into this keystone metric and Sam's got so much boots on the ground experience with it. I think that he gives us some amazing insight. So I have a lot of thoughts at the end, but in the meantime, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Sam about the backlog. Joining me from Minneapolis, Minnesota, is the Director of Sales at Wi-Fire. I'm here today with my good friend, Sam O'Donnell. Sam, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. How are you, Tim? I'm good. I've, I've been excited for this conversation, and I love announcing you that way. It sounds great. I know. You know what? It feels good. It's, it's good for you and I to have a professional connection again, as opposed to just being acquaintances. Totally. Well, uh, you know, I'm excited to jump into this conversation. So today we're going to be talking about tracking backlog. You know, when we think about what are the the keystone metrics that an owner or a manager needs to have to run their business, I, I just, I'm so convinced that backlog is one of them. And maybe to start this conversation out, I'll, I'll tell a little bit of my story and kind of being introduced to this metric. And then I'd love to hear your story because when we worked together, you were on my sales team. And so we were kind of coming at this understanding from two different perspectives. So to start with, for me, when when I got hired at Fireside Home Solutions, the, the previous company that we both worked at, I mean, right away, I got introduced to this concept. And it was kind of one of those like insider language terms where everybody in the company was always talking about backlog. And I had to try to look smart and act like I knew what it meant. And it took me some time, but I, but I realized that the backlog was the amount of money worth of jobs we'd taken a deposit on that we'd not completed the installation. It was like this holding period of when someone places the money for the gas insert or the wood stove or whatever it is, the company doesn't get paid on it yet. So it sits in this backlog until the job gets invoiced out. And for the longest time, I was like, why does that matter? And over time, it it started to make me see like, oh, this is a predictive measure of knowing how much work is coming up, what I'm going to personally make, right? Because I'm paid on a sliding scale. So the backlog is kind of like me having a, a guarantee of what my salary is going to be once it gets invoiced out. So that was kind of my my uh, understanding of it was like everyone in the company is just obsessed with it. And I'd never been brought up to even think about that metric before. What, what was it like for you? Well, anytime you start in a new position, you just get inundated with reports and information <laughs> And trying to figure out like which tools are valuable 
and how to use all the tools that you have at your disposal is is the first thing that you're going to want to learn. And I didn't understand backlog at first either. And you had told me that that's how our performance is going to be measured. And I didn't quite understand why. But in hindsight, I think of all the tools and resources that I had at my disposal, the backlog report was among, if not the most valuable in terms of how frequently it was used. I mean, it was it was literally the first thing that I opened and looked at every day when I walked in the door. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. So, you know, in our previous company, there was a lot of reporting that I'm thankful for. And, and some of it was like, okay, I don't, I don't need to look at this. But gosh, like, I remember for every single salesperson, every single morning, they were emailed a backlog list where it would give them the total amount of jobs in their backlog, let's just call it $100,000 worth of jobs. And then it would list out the customer's name for every single one, the sales order number, and if it had been scheduled, what the install date was. And it was really powerful. Now, I want to rewind back a little bit because we're talking right now about from like an owner's or a manager's perspective, you know, how they have to understand their their company's backlog. So so thinking about this, Sam, like if, if you're running a, a hearth retail business, why is it so important to understand what's in your backlog, right? So let's just let's just say that right now we have a lot of product delays. So let's let's say that your backlog is, I don't know, two hundred and fifty thousand dollars worth of stuff that you've taken a deposit on but has not been fulfilled. Why does having that number week in and week out looking at it, why does that help you, you think, as like an owner or a manager? Well, it allows you to predict what revenue is coming in and when. Yeah. So when you're that busy and you're that swamped and you have that many things in the pipeline or, or in your backlog, it's it's very easy to get confused about how much money is coming in, what can I expect and when to expect it. And so that it's really like a, a glance into the future of what you can expect. And based on that, honestly, it should probably dictate the behaviors that you exhibit going forward or what you expect from your team or how you need to make adjustments. Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. I just, I literally wrote down as soon as you said a glance into the future. I've never, I've never thought about it that way, but it's, it's exactly what it is. It's a, it's a glance into the future. Especially in, in a world of uncertainty, right? With product delays and price increases and labor shortages and all those things. There aren't many things that we can predict, but a backlog is one thing that you can look at that by and large, you know, is going to be true going, going forward. Yeah, it's so true. You know, and, and, you know, in our previous company, they had some pretty sophisticated systems to send out intricate re- reports, and it was incredible. I think I think that actually single-handedly, me getting a, a backlog report every single day, that might have changed my behavior on the sales floor more than any other single thing. Just a reminder every day of how much I have, these are the jobs coming up. But, but many companies aren't going to have that. They're not going to have an automated way on a daily basis to send that report out. But I think for anyone that has a point of sale system, you can run a report of open orders, right? What orders are open that haven't been fulfilled yet, right? That we've taken, we've taken money on. And that's essentially a backlog report because you can look at that. And, and most point of sale systems, I'd say, can print this out for you. And you might have to do a little bit of digging to like manually mark the installation dates coming up, but it's so worth it because having that report and knowing, you know, when stuff is going to get installed, just like you said, Sam, that, that is your predictive revenue. Like what, what can we expect? Are we going to have a cash flow issue coming up for many companies that don't track backlog? It's just fly by the seat of their pants. How are we doing this month? We just checked the bank account. 
this allows us to get in front of it and start saying, you know what? We're, we're going to have a lean month next month because this is the total amount of installations that are coming up. And that is so powerful, right? Oh, 100%. And I'd, I'd be curious too, Tim. I, you're a little bit more well-circulated around the industry than I am. With the retailers that you've worked with, how many people pay attention to a backlog? Like I know that you said that anybody that has a POS system has access to some form of a backlog. But with the folks that you've worked with, how many people pay attention to their backlog and what kind of value do they place on it? Oh, man. Um, off the top of my head, I'd say less than five retailers in the country. And that's I'm pleading ignorance here because it was it was intrinsic in what we did every day in my experience working in retail. So I was I have a bias because it was sort of rammed down my throat. And so I understood the value of it because I had to. But I was curious as to universally how many people are paying attention to it yeah and i mean and again that that's just me off the top of my head i'm sure that there's plenty of retailers that are that are using it uh you know an example that i'll give is is our friend grant so like grant in his business he will look at how much of a backlog he has and make personnel decisions right so once the backlog goes over a certain amount that's the trigger for him we need to hire an installer because right because we've got the work and if we hire another installer, we can start to turn that work quicker because as powerful as the backlog is to know you've got it, you, you got to turn through it before anybody gets paid. So he uses it for personnel decisions, which I, I thought is super wise. That makes a ton of sense. And I've, I've heard Grant talk about too, like he can't understand when retailers say or take pride in the fact that they're they're booked out for 12 weeks. Like it's great that you have that amount of traffic and sales coming in. But at the end of the day, like you said, you don't get paid on it until the work is complete. And if you don't have the labor to do it, then it's almost worth nothing. Yeah. But again, that's where a backlog lets you know, I can make personnel decisions. I can make, there's all kinds of decisions you can make by looking at it. It can really affect your business. Yeah. And I'm, I'm thinking too, like, and let's just, you know, zoom back out again. Like, let's imagine you just run an open order report and you just get a, it just gives you a number, $250,000 for instance, you know, that's, that's what's in the backlog now. Well, the cool thing is when you check it a week later and you run that same report, you, you maybe you've sold a little bit, but let's say all you've done is you've installed stuff. So now you run it a week later and now it's at $230,000. Well, in a way that's good because it means that you have $20,000 in the bank that you didn't have before, but now you have $20,000 less predictive revenue. So it, now if let's say another week goes by, you run that same report and now you're down to 210000 so like as a manager, what does that mean? Well, it means that I've seen a steady decline in backlog for the last three weeks. That's really good for me to know because now that tells us, do we need to plan a sales promotion? Do we need to really focus on calling customers back? Do we need to start looking at a personnel decision? Like, do we have, you know, too many people on the payroll and not enough work? Again, like it's it's the number in isolation doesn't tell you a lot. Okay, you got a backlog of $250,000, so what? But it's the number in context. Week after week after week, I can look at it going up, look at it going down. I mean, I'm just, like, I see you smiling, right? Because, I mean, it tells you so much, doesn't it? Yeah, and I, I can think about that just from a, the perspective of a salesperson. Like, watching my backlog go up and up is the most exciting thing in the world. But when that thing starts to dip, <laughs> like, that's when the heart gets pumping and you know that it's time to start taking action and going on the offense. Yeah, well, okay. So let's talk about this. So, so again, 
the reason I say this is a keystone metric is that it just leads to behavior changes. So if, if me as a manager every week, I'm looking at my, my backlog or my open orders report of stuff that we've taken a deposit on, but has not yet been fulfilled. And I look at it skyrocketing. Well, that tells me, I mean, this is a weird year with all the supply shortages, but in a normal year, that tells me I have an installation problem because, because it means that I am out, I'm out kicking my coverage, right? I'm out selling my ability to get it in. So that tells me, okay, I got to focus my efforts on the installation side, hiring installers, making my team more efficient. Maybe we got to work an extra day a week to get these in. If my backlog starts to dwindle, just like you said, now the heart's pumping now I got to start talking to my sales team. But, but the cool thing is it's a, it's a metric that forces behavior change. you like, when I'm forced every week to look and see, I, I, you know, I have to do something about it. There's, there's a, a retailer I'm thinking of, I was just talking with the other week and they're on the Eastern side of the U S. And as we were talking, they were saying that, you know, the, the owners in the company are always nervous about, do we have enough work? Are we going to go out of business every month? But they're not looking at their backlog where what we were talking is developing a system of them actually looking at this every week so that their manager can go to them and say, no, you're fine. You can sleep at night. Like we've got this much business that's going to be coming in. You know, I, I think it forces behavior. I want to ask from your perspective, when we worked together as a, as a salesperson, how did my behavior change to you guys based on the backlog? Like what was your experience kind of seeing me from a managerial perspective talking to the team about this i would say if our backlog was rising quickly i think you know you'd give us praise and you wouldn't you didn't give us too much insight into the installation side of things i think you wanted to just to just stay focused on on continuing to grow the backlog but again our sales goals were based on backlog dollars rather than revenue and that took me a minute to understand why but when i when you explain lead measures versus lag measures to me, it started to make sense. So if revenue's the goal, which at the end of the day it is, if if we were to set our sales goals based on revenue, then come the end of the month, if we haven't hit our revenue goal, then there's nothing that we can do to go back and change that. Right. So setting revenue is the goal. Like it doesn't focusing on the outcome, like revenue is an outcome and focusing on outcome alone neglects the behaviors and actions necessary to achieve the outcome. Right. Hmm. But with a backlog as an example, so month to month, like the backlog changes the measurement of, of success and breaks it down into like the micro behaviors that are analyzed week by week. So if one week of the month the behaviors that I'm exhibiting aren't moving the needle. If my backlog's not growing, I still have three weeks in that month to change the behaviors. And that's where you would come in and say, is there anything I can do to help? Have you been following up with customers? What can we do to help you get that backlog up to where it needs to be so you can meet your goals? So it's an ever moving target that allows you to make adjustments on the fly before that deadline hits and the outcome that you want is no longer able to be changed. That's so good. I mean, yeah, it, it's so good to think that way. What, what I'm, what I'm imagining too. I want, I want to get your take on this. So, like, as a salesperson, being incentivized, and I guess I got to be careful with this because we, we, we did incentivize. Like, like comp structure was based on revenue. It was based on invoiced sales because no one gets paid based off of a deposit. We only get paid when it's in the bank. But, but like you said, all of our goals were backlog goals. Because that's that's what we control. Um, 
as a salesperson to understand my goal is to grow my backlog versus growing my my invoice revenue, what did that do for you and just your flexibility and, and freedom to feel like I actually could go hit this? Well, backlog backlog leads to revenue, right? It allows you to predict if I'm going to meet my goal. And I think that was the power of it. Like as a salesperson paid on a slide on a sliding scale with bonus structure, I'm always working a month ahead if I'm focused on backlog, right? So in February, I'm building up my backlog to meet my, my March goal. And so I'm not freaking out the last day of the month, hoping that I'm going to meet my goal. I've got the entire month to build that up. And I can tell pretty quickly whether or not I'm going to get to where I need to be. And like I said before, it's awesome as a salesperson to be able to analyze what you've done and change behaviors to get the outcomes that you want. I don't know if that answered your question. I might've misunderstood the question. No, it, it completely does because I'm, I'm, I keep, I keep wanting to zoom in and zoom out. And so like, so to zoom out again, as a business owner, if on your weekly heartbeat report, you just simply have your total backlog and you see it every week going up or going down, you cannot help but change behavior. Just like Sam, when you were in retail sales, what you're saying is that you could see it coming. It's not a, it's not a surprise, right? So when you know this is how much work I have, you know what? Man, my, uh, my bank account would look a little bit better if I could get that backlog up by 20 grand. You know, Same thing as a business owner, right? If you see that thing dwindling and you're thinking, you know, my bank account, it, it'd look a little bit better if we could add another 30,000 to this. It, it's just one of those things that, that forces change. We'll get back to our conversation with Sam O'Donnell in just one minute. Hey, if you're listening to this podcast series of keystone metrics for your business to build a heartbeat report and you're thinking, okay, I get this, but I want to go deeper. Well, you have to take advantage of the Firetime Workshop. This is a once a year opportunity where we are going to meet up in Seattle, Washington from May 1st to 3rd and take three days to dive into this deep. Myself and Grant Falco will be the ones teaching this course and we have the entire Firetime team there to facilitate the workshop and make sure that you walk away with a concrete plan for your business to put this in place and take control. You know, it was about a year ago that Grant and I were on the East Coast working with some businesses in a consulting role and we looked at each other and thought, man, These things that we're teaching really come down to a heartbeat report and the purpose of the sales process and the way that we execute an installation and all these things, the purpose of doing them this way is it allows us to put together a weekly heartbeat report where literally we can look at it and understand exactly what's going on with our business and we know what levers to pull to get better and to solve problems. So if you want to take a deep dive on this, we are almost at the deadline for registrations, but you can still sign up today by going to itsfiretime.com slash workshop. That's itsfiretime.com slash workshop. I hope we get to see you out in Seattle. This is a limited time event, and I promise you, you will walk away changed. And not only that, you're going to have a community around you to help you put this in place in the coming year. So go to itsfiretime.com slash workshop and sign up today. What, what I'd like to do, because I mean, I, I, I feel like Sam, uh, when we work together, truly like you're the most talented retail salesperson I've ever worked with and watching you 
man, watching you like just work your backlog, it, it was, it was like, it was just mind blowing to me. Can you talk about just what was your rhythm of, of, of working through your backlog on a daily basis? It comes in two forms. So there's the sales side of things, and then there's there's also the back end, right? So what's in my backlog at some point is going to need to be installed. So I'll start with the sales end of things. I use the backlog as the motivator. And one of the things that you did that I really appreciated was every salesperson in our company, their backlog was exposed to everybody else. <laughs> so there was always sort of, there was always a race to the top. And you know, as a former athlete, I'm a competitor and I think everybody in our company was, but you're also trying to beat yourself as well. Yeah. So what did I do last month? How can I top what I did the last month or the last year? And there are all kinds of behaviors that you can exhibit and change and adjust that allow you to do that. Now the market's going to dictate some of that. Like you said, Tim, this is, this year is kind of an anomaly in that we kind of have to react to what the market and the supply chain tells us to do. I was fortunate to get out before that happened. But at the end of the day, like the backlog truly dictated my behavior on a day-to-day basis. If my backlog was really high, I understand that maybe we're backed up from an installation perspective and that is going to hurt my bank account, but I'm a team player. So I understand that. If it's really low though, I'm going to take a look at my my potential opportunities and I'm on the phone, right? What are what are my top level opportunities? My gas to gas inserts. My my easy opportunities that that maybe fell by the wayside that I can now follow up on cuz I know our installation crew has time for it. The backlog's low. I need to get some more revenue in it. So that tells me exactly what I need to do. I mean, it helps plan my week, right? How am I going to spend my time this week? Mm-hmm. And ultimately, it's dictated by the backlog. And, and that's from a sales perspective. So you said that that's the sales perspective. What's the other perspective that the backlog gives you? Forecasting problems on job sites. So if I have a report every morning of every job that I have that's going to be installed and when it's going to be installed, I'm going to look at everything that's about two weeks out from today. And I remember all the jobs. We did our own site previews. I've met with all the customers. So I've got a pretty close grip on each job and what's what's supposed to happen. Anything that troubles me, I'm paying attention to. So like I said, two weeks out, I'd run through a checklist. And the checklist had a number of questions. And again, this is forecasting problems that could arise. So the questions on the checklist are, are the necessary parts in the order? And are they set to arrive on time? It's important. Does the installation crew have all the necessary information and have I presented it in a way that's clear? Does the installation crew have the necessary equipment? Do they need a 40 foot ladder? Do they need extra hands for a 600 pound stove? Those are the things that I'm looking at there. Is this the best installation crew for the job? Right? So we have, I don't know, two or three crews. Some have strong suits. Others are weak in those same areas. So. I'm paying attention to who is scheduled for the job. And is it better if we send out a different crew for that particular job, knowing the scope of work? If this is a tough customer, right? I'm the one that deals with the customers. If I know that they're, I don't want to call them problem customers, but everybody has those customers, you know them. 
that you know, regardless of how smoothly things go, there's going to be a problem. Should I just give that customer a call and reiterate exactly what we're planning to do and answer any questions and ease any tension before we go out to the job site? Another piece, if subcontractors are assisting with the job, do I need to make sure that they're prepared? Are they going to be on time? Do they know what needs to happen? At what point are they going to show up and do their work? Okay. So Sam, I have to jump in and I got So, okay. I got to, yeah. no, sorry. This is so good. Deep. So this, this is what I'm asking. So like, I feel like I just imagine people listening to this are going to think, wait, like you did this like every day you're telling me you went through this checklist and your answer is yes. You would do this every single day. Yeah. And it wasn't so much physically like checking all the boxes, but you get to a point where mentally you can, you can run through these questions in your head really quickly because you get used to it. And you, and if you're the person doing the site visits and you know, your installation crews really well, then absolutely. Like it seems tedious, but it's really not. And it's not nearly as tedious as trying to solve problems after they happen. (laughs) And I think like the main question that I would ask, like the last question how confident am I that this will go smoothly? And if not, do we need to take a second look at it? And is there anybody else that's more qualified than I to go out and look at the job? And I was always afraid to ask that. But at the end of the day, let's get it right the first time. Like there can't be any greater cause of lost profit than job fallouts. And on top of that, it's a domino effect. It, it literally affects every department of your business, right? If a job falls out, your installer's calling me. I'm getting an earful from the customer. Purchasing team has to order new parts. The scheduling team has to readjust the entire schedule. I'm calling you the manager because I need help, right? So everybody in the company's time is now directed to this problem. And that's not to mention the profit that we're losing on the job, on that particular job. So... I mean, and we talked a little bit about this offline, like, like how, like by looking ahead at your backlog, like how, how many problems would it get you out of that weren't a problem because you proactively attacked it? I wish I could count that. I mean, there would have to be, (laughs) it'd be better to ask the installation crews that I work with. They're, they're probably thinking (laughs) to themselves, like, I know he didn't do this, (laughs) Um, but we did. I, I would say at least two or three a month. And if you add that up over the course of a year, yeah, that's a lot of lost profit. That's a lot of headache that I've avoided too. Like, there's nothing worse than having your day derailed by a problem. And I don't, I don't mean to take this conversation way far into left field, but the point is, my backlog was the reason, was my resource for. It's the one piece of information that I had to look two weeks out, ask all these questions, and solve problems before they happen. Yeah. Well, it's so true. I mean, and, and you think about like running through that list of questions, it seems like a lot, but I mean, I mean, it's not, it's not that much, right? I mean, how many installs, like as a salesperson, would you have coming up over a couple of weeks? Like even in a busy company, like what, six, 10, like it's not a lot. So like if, if, if on Monday I look at my backlog of all my stuff coming up in the next couple of weeks, I mean, okay, so I've got, I've got 10 jobs coming up. We'll just look at the first one. Okay. This job's coming up tomorrow. Okay, do, who's the crew on it? Okay, and, and is there anything weird about the job that, no, there's nothing weird, it's pretty straightforward. Okay, let's move on to the next one. Okay, so now I've got, the, I mean, like, it doesn't take that much time, usually, 
for for you like yeah so your rhythm coming in you would look at your backlog every day like what kind of time would it take you to to to, to run through that thing it's probably the first 15 minutes of my day like legitimately that was all it took and like you just said tim <laughs> you don't have to look at at every one of your jobs like gas inserts there's a ton of simple jobs that really don't need a bunch of attention but you see the names of the jobs that you know might have problems and then you run through that checklist and so it's just i think it's also peace of mind as a salesperson to know what you have coming up and just having a complete understanding of of all the jobs that you have where they are when they're going to be installed and then do i need to add more jobs to my backlog I'm going to pencil in two hours today to make follow-up calls. Yeah. It's so powerful. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking too, again, zooming back to the leadership perspective. Again, if on your heartbeat report every single week, I've got my total company backlog, it, it just, it forces behavior change. I mean, you start to see that thing dwindle or, or you start to see that you're having a lot of problems coming up on, you have a lot of problems on jobs that are happening. You know, I, I know this is true for most point of sales systems that you can run an open order report by salesperson. So there it is. Like, I mean, again, you might have to do this manually. Our company was able to automate it, but say it's not every day. Say it's once a week. You take 10 minutes to filter that report by salesperson and you email that salesperson. Hey, here's your, here's your backlog for the week. Well, now you can tell your team members it's on them to figure out the installation date, right? So then they can go in to look, wait, do we have this scheduled? Oh, we don't have it scheduled. I mean, what did that do for you? to know when something was scheduled versus not. I have to imagine there were times where you were pushing the scheduling team because you didn't see a date. Absolutely. And again, that's why you run through that checklist. The backlog gives you a sense of power and responsibility. So, I mean, I feel like we just keep coming back to it as you say the Sam, like over and over again, that the backlog forces behavior change. I just have to think like for, for starting with yourself as an owner and a manager, if I'm forced every week to see the uptick or downtick of my backlog, it will change my behavior. Now, you 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 go you go to a more micro level. If I run a backlog report every week and send it to my team, it will it will forcibly change their behavior. Now, for you as a salesperson that's being paid in a sliding scale, I mean, did like I always felt like there was like a backlog wave. There was like a there's a there was a comfortable spot where I just knew if I could just keep my backlog here, I'm gonna make about this much money, and my team can handle it. And when it starts to dwindle, all like all I gotta do is let's just let's just let's just get that thing right back up here. I mean, like, did you have something similar to that? I think a wave's a great way to describe it. Like over time, you understand what your company and your teams are capable of, and you understand what you're capable of. And so there is sort of a sweet spot. Like obviously as a salesperson, you want to grow that thing, but eventually it'll start to stagnate. And that just means that we don't have the manpower to keep the backlog moving. But absolutely, if I could keep my backlog at a sweet spot, that'll be different for every, every company. So I don't, the number doesn't really matter. But you, you start to figure out what your company is capable of. And then you're constantly trying to keep your backlog at that level. Because you know you're going to get paid well. You know the company is making good money. You know your install crews aren't overworking themselves, but but they're getting the work that they need as well. <laughs> as you say this, I'm, I'm laughing. I'm thinking about our friend Eric Stanley that we used to work with. And and Eric was, I mean, in, in a lot of ways, I mean, he was equally as talented as, as you in different aspects of the business, like just a machine in so many ways. And I literally remember, dude, there was, there was one time, I think this is before you got hired. And he came to me in the, like, 
in the middle of the season and took a vacation to Hawaii for like a week. And he literally is like, you know, my backlog's high. When I'm in Hawaii, I'll work a couple hours on the beach just to maintain it. You know, I'm, I'm going to go take this trip. Like as a sales manager, like, how can I argue with that? You, your backlog is, it's high enough. You don't, you don't need anything else in it. We can't handle it. So why not go work from a beach for two hours a day and just make sure that nothing's going to fall out of it? Like it just, that metric just gives you so much power. That's an amazing story. I didn't know that. That sounds like a very Eric Stanley thing to do. But I think <laughs> yeah. if you haven't understood the power of the backlog, that should illustrate it for you. Yeah. And as a business owner too, like if your backlog is here, like, dude, go for a week, go for a week vacation. That's okay. Now, I'm th- there's responsibilities that someone else will have to pick up your slack on, but at least you know that you've got enough revenue in, in the pipeline. Just I, I think that you can sleep easier at night knowing where your backlog is. And if your backlog is dwindling and it's not there, then rightfully so. You should be losing sleep and trying to figure out what do we have to do. But what I found for myself, Sam, is... And we can talk about this with Wi-Fi as well. Like We have a little bit different metrics because our, our company is different as a, as a software company versus, versus a company selling fireplaces and doing installation. But like rightfully so, there's times where we come to our meetings every week and we're like, okay... What are we going to do? If that, if that information was not presented to us, we just, we just ignore it. Yes. I mean, when it comes to Wi-Fi, think about this, Tim. Like we have like the big overarching goals, but how often do we talk about those? Not very often. What do we talk about though? The behaviors on a daily and weekly basis that are going to get us there. And I think that for us, that is our backlog. Like how many demos did we book? Yeah. How many follow-ups did we make? Yes. Like, what are the behaviors that get us to the to the overarching bigger goal? Yeah. Are these are how many partners do we have at risk who aren't yes. using the software in in a way that's effective or or we need to communicate with better? Yeah. Like we you, when you we don't see that stuff every week, you just ignore it. That's right. But I I I think it's it shows that the backlog was important to you and to me because we literally sort of operate on our own pseudo backlog and it feels no different than working in retail sales for that reason. But it has so much power that we've carried that over to the to the business that we're in now. Well, okay. Final final thing, and, and maybe we've already said this so far, but to put a bow in this conversation, Sam, if if you're a business owner, if a business owner comes to you and they say, Sam, uh, I gotta take control of my sales process, I don't this seems like a lot of work what am I going to get out of, of, of looking at my backlog every week? What would you say to them? I think it goes back to the fact that, that backlog literally dictates behavior. Like outside of the fact that it gives you predictive revenue and a look into the future, backlog dictates behavior. Dude, so good. That's so good. Man, this is really valuable, Sam. And, I, and I, what I love about talking to you is that you have literally lived this and breathed it every day. So thanks a ton, man. That gives us just, just a lot to chew on. All right, Tim. See you around the way. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Sam O'Donnell. I mean, I'm not joking. He is the best retail salesperson I have ever worked with. And the guy is so incredibly sharp. I'm honored to work with him at Wi-Fi. You know, as, as we think about this, in, in this conversation, we jumped a lot from 
the perspective of backlog from an individual salesperson's perspective to also a managerial perspective. And I want to break that down a little bit. So, you know, as you heard truly, this is your predictive revenue. And it, it is so important to understand what is coming up in your pipeline and when you will get that revenue. It, I mean, it's the, it's the only way to make decisions and just sleep well at night. I'm thinking about some companies I know that because they're not actively looking at their backlog, they're always losing sleep about, are we going to go out of business next month? I don't know if we can do this. You know, what are we going to do when really they probably have a backlog that's, that's real good, but because it's not in front of them and they don't know how much of it is going to clear this month versus next month versus the month after, there's no way for them to feel good about their business or to, to take control of it. You know, when, when you Put together a backlog, it allows you to start to budget. You know, running a business is no different than running a, a family budget. And again, for, for years, the, the companies I worked for didn't do this. And when I, when I came to Fireside, it was truly incredible that every year they put together a budget where they looked at past numbers, they looked at, you know, market trends, and we put together a, a blueprint of where we were going to try to be as a company. Now, things change, of course. But their goal was truly like never to be too far above or too far below the budget. Now, they always wanted to be a little bit above the budget, but but truly they felt like, man, if we just destroyed the budget, even in a good way, it means we didn't we didn't budget that well because it means that we don't have enough installers to take on the capacity that we thought. And it means that we're probably not going to be serving customers as well because we're understaffed and our lead times are extended. And, and there were times where partway through the year, if it was a really good year, we'd modify that budget so that we could hire properly. And doing that was just so new to me. But the backlog is the starting point. You know, it, it's tough. If you run that open orders report, especially right now, you know, say that you've got, I don't know, $300,000 worth of jobs in your backlog. Well, what's, what's tough is that you really do need to put a date on each of them of when you expect those jobs to be invoiced out. And that's going to be hard because some of them you're not going to know. But gosh, you know, when you can start to do that, you can really look at this and think, okay, I've got $300,000 in my backlog. If we nail all of our installations, we're going to see $120,000 of that this month. We'll see $80,000 the following month and we'll see $100,000 the month after that. I'm just making these numbers up. Well, that's so helpful as a business owner for you because again, it's your predictive revenue. Now you can push your install crews. You know, you can make hiring decisions based on this and it really forces you to ask other questions in your business. I mean, again, it forces you to ask the question like, gosh, we've got, you know, $80,000 worth of work that's two months out. If we had another installation crew or another service technician, we could move some of that up. Like, what could that do for us if we could pull everything up and turn that cash quicker? From a sales perspective, truly, you know, I would get my backlog report every day. And I realize that not every company is in a position to be able to do this. But for me, I would get it every day and I would mine it. I would look to see, okay, which ones of these have a scheduled date and which ones don't. Because I knew for me, if it was getting scheduled this month, I was going to get commission on it. You know, if it wasn't scheduled for two months, I'm not going to see the money until then. So I was always looking to make sure nothing slipped through the cracks. So there's nothing that someone has paid where it hasn't been sent to scheduling and gotten a date yet. And it also allowed me just to look and see, Hey, you know, what's, what's coming up? What kind of a phone call do I need to make? You know, Sam was a master of that 
always looking ahead and you know calling an install team. Hey, this job's coming up next week. It's going to be a tough one. Is there anything I can do to help you out with it? It's a keystone metric that forces you to ask those questions. To be honest, also, it's a metric that forces follow-up. Later on this season in the podcast, we're going to have a separate conversation with Sam that's all about follow-up. But truly, as you see the backlog start to drop, now you can say, okay, you know, we got to run a sale. We got we to make 10 follow-up calls this week. It forces you to ask other questions, and it, it's truly a metric that gives you stability in your company. Incredibly powerful. So in following up from last week, on your heartbeat report now, we've got two metrics. We've got our traffic count, and we've got our backlog. Again, looking at this week after week after week, you will really start to get a sense of your business. Each one of these metrics, it's a different angle on the same story. Now, as we close out, if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you want to support it financially, you can do that by going to the website, patreon.com slash it's fire time. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash it's fire time. And, you know, we always say it, but you just, you have to know how much we appreciate the contributions that you guys give every month to help support this. You know, we really run in a shoestring budget, but it means the world that there are people that believe in this that help out. And honestly, like I want to highlight Napoleon. I've talked about them a couple times here. Like they're a company that just kind of slowly and silently has really made an effort to support this and keep us going. And it's been incredible that, um, just that they believe in it. And and we're very thankful for that. So as we round out today, I want you to think about what will it take for me to get this backlog metric in place? And if I can get it in place for our entire company, could I send this to my sales team once a week, right? Maybe on Monday, you send every salesperson an open orders report of just their jobs and their only job is to mark a schedule date for everyone, whether it's scheduled, whether it's not, maybe it's a will call pickup, right? That is a starting point that will do your company a lot of good. So I hope you guys have an amazing week. I want you to remember that the work you're doing matters and that this movement is growing. So stay strong. It's going to be worth it. Thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast. To learn more, visit the website itsfiretime.com. Music from this episode was written and recorded by In Bloom out of Portland, Oregon. We thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. We'll see you next time. All in to buy.